Welcome to the Creation Grounds Podcast, where we break down the success, habits, and the life of people in creative fields, discover how they've gotten to where they are, what they aspire to be, and how you can live your dreams too. Let's get to the show. Okay, this episode of the Creation Grounds welcomes Lidiani Fernandez. She's from Brazil. She's on this podcast, and we're going to learn a little bit about her. What's up, Liddy? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good. So we're going to dive in. Tell us where you are from in Brazil and um, about your arrival to the U.S. All right. So I was born in the capital of the state of Espírito Santo, which is the state right above the state of Rio de Janeiro. Most people think that uh, Rio de Janeiro is just uh, the capital, but it's also the state. Um, my family didn't really live in the capital, but my mom wanted me to be born in the best hospital. So when it was about that time, she was like, let's go to the capital. Uh, the actual town we lived in was this small little thing that touched the border of another state. And I'm pretty sure that the entrance of the town was also the exit. You know, one of those, you drive by the entrance <laughs> exit things. That's wild. So a small, small community kind of, um, kind of environment. Yeah, small environment. I've I've been told that the town looks nothing like it has since I've been there. So I guess one day when I go back, I I haven't been back since I came to the U.S. in 99 when I was seven. Okay. Um, But I'm sure that things are a lot different there. (laughs) Uh, You mean like Ford, Ford, Fordly? I hope so. (laughs) Okay, cool. Let's let's hope. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. But yeah, I came to the to the United States when I was seven in 1999. Uh, it was pretty hard because when you're little, you don't really understand what's going on. You just know that you're being pulled away from your home and you're not sure what's happening around you. There's actually a picture in my house of the day we left. We're at the airport and I just have this sorrowful look in my eyes like, I cannot believe that this is actually happening. I thought it was a joke kind of look. Can this can this be pretend? Um, and it didn't help that people in Brazil told us that we weren't going to eat certain things in the United States ever again, like rice and beans. Oh, we got plenty of that. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's obviously not true. Um, yep. But we didn't know anything about the United States when we came. So everything that people told us, we believe them. Why did you guys come to the U.S.? What prompted you that? You know, I think that most people who leave their country leave for financial difficulty and for the hope of a better life. Life in Brazil is very hard. Just for an example, here, if your refrigerator breaks, you would go, you know, to whatever store and you can buy one, you know, either on a credit card or you can make some kind of down payment on there for them. But in Brazil, if your refrigerator breaks, you're kind of SOL. And if you go to the store, the money that it would cost to buy a refrigerator is the money that you make in a month. Wow. So it's not it's not a practical place to live. Okay. So your life model coming from that, do you have a certain certain credo that you live by or a life model? I have never had one of those. I don't know many people who do, actually. I, I haven't been fortunate enough to meet those people who go, yeah, I have this motto and I live by it, which I think is really cool. I wish I had one. But I've, I had been really... You create one right now. Do it for the creation We could create one right now. I'll think, I'll think about it. I, had, I really had been struggling. I think I sort of kind of made up one, but it's not like one of those short little ones. Like, 
I don't know. I, I don't even know. <laughs> like life, like life is a box of chocolates. There you go. That's a good <laughs> one. One thing. That's Forrest Gump. <laughs> I have not seen that movie. Oh my. You God. haven't seen Forrest Gump. I have not seen Forrest Gump. You gotta get on that later. People tell me get it's really it. long, and I just feel like I'm gonna fall asleep. It is long, but it's like one of those classics that you have to see. I do. I have to see it. You know? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling to get myself to in the mood to see it. You know, when you're not in the mood to watch a movie, it's just bad, anyways. I feel you. So, um, but I was struggling with, you know, accepting how old I am and where I am in my career. So mm -hmm. before the year ended, I just I gave that up and I just gave up the idea of how old I am and how far I've gotten or how long it's taking and I just I'm choosing to trust that God has a plan and that whatever that plan is you know it'll happen in his time so I think that my motto became don't worry about your age just keep moving forward that's pretty good that's good you heard it here first so tell us so you come to Bridgeport was Bridgeport the first place that you came to when you left Brazil it was. It was. Obviously, we arrived out of, at um. At, out of all the places in the U.S. Out of all the places <laughs> in the U.S., we come to yeah. Bridgeport, Connecticut, yeah. and you know, I still live in Bridgeport. It gets a has a bad rap, but I like it here. I don't mind living here. My parents just bought a home here two years ago, and I I enjoy this town. Bridgeport was. It's sort of where I grew up, between the town, all the places I've lived in. I've lived in New Jersey for a bit, and Willingboro, and then we moved back to Bridgeport. So this has really been home base for, for a while now. And what was your experience like when you, well, you just explained that you kind of enjoyed it. So uh, when, when, you, when did you get involved with Profiles? Because that's where I first met you at Central High School. Yeah. Um, and Profiles is, uh, it was headed by Westover who's an acting teacher to both of us, cast us in some of our high school plays. Um, what was your experience yeah. with Profiles Theater, and um, how was that influential to your career and to your life? So, I mean, I think you and I could sit here and talk the entire day about Westover. Yeah. I'm sure that all his kids would say the same. That man is just absolutely incredible. He's an incredible teacher. He's a great dad to his, his girls. His wife says that he's hilarious, and he must be an awesome husband. They seem like they have a lot of fun. So he's just he's just a great guy all around. Um, I think we met Aaron my freshman year because Stover cast me in his play, and you were also doing The Actor's Nightmare. Is that when we first met? I think you were a freshman then? I was. I was a freshman. Everybody thought I was an exchange student. Oh, wow. I thought you – oh, I don't know. I, okay, yeah, that that is where we first met. That's then, I when guess. we first met. Silver cast me in um oh boy, what's it called? Sister Mary Ignatius Sister. explains it all for you, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played Diana, the crazy girl who wanted to go to the school and kill her nun. Okay. Part. <laughs> I don't remember the details. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, sounds just like you. <laughs> <Doesn't> <laughs> you know, sounds I'm like something Liddy would do. <laughs> But he invited me after that. I, I don't even know why I chose to audition for that play. I remember going to, to Central when I was in middle school for one of those, like, school concert things where kids from different school choirs come and sing. And everybody would meet in the theater room where the school was at A109. 
And I remember getting into that room and I saw that little black box theater and I was just like, hmm, this sounds interesting. I think I think that this is what I want to do. So when those play auditions came around, I definitely auditioned and I guess Silver must have seen potential in me because he invited me to be in his profiles class, which was a super big honor since being invited into profiles was a thing back then. Uh, yeah. And I think the profiles changed high school for me. I did not like missing school on the day that we had profiles. I just I was the same way. Same exact way. <laughs> it was what like, I looked forward to most. No, we can't. I can't miss school. I know that I'm sick and dying, but I have to go. We have <laughs> the profiles today, and it's gonna be fun. And I, I was pretty lucky because I got to be a student director in my junior and senior year. So, which um, which scenes did you do? I did, so my junior year, I did a scene about teen pregnancy, and the entire scene was done um, silent, which was great for me, because I didn't have to write any dialogue, um, which was really Kind of kabuki, so? Yeah, I I did it from the perspective of a pregnant mom and a teen mom, and I just try to compare the differences, you know, from my perspective as a 16-year-old at the time. Um, The class really enjoyed it, so I'm assuming that I'm, I'm hoping it was good. And then senior year, I was sort of struggling to find out what I would write about. And I settled on, you know, abuse and abuse in the home and in families and stuff like that. And I sort of borrowed from my life. Not that there's abuse in my home and not there's that I know many people who have lived in the situation, but I have friends who they just live in a very difficult environment sometimes, the way they speak to each other. And everything in life, you kind of just exaggerate it to 100. Mm-hmm. So I just took their arguing and I escalated it very large. And I approached it in the sense of, um, I approached it in the sense of people see abuse happening all the time, but we don't address it. And I remember because the play was called What You See Isn't Really Happening, right? And that's something that they would say at the end of each little scene that was done in the in the play. They would have some sort of big blowout, and then they would stop and look at the audience, and they would say, what you see isn't really happening, right? Um, so, yeah, th- those are my scenes. <laughs> okay. So, you came from you came from Brazil. Did you speak English at that, that time, or did you learn English when you were in the United States? I did not speak English when I was when I came from Brazil I learned it when I got here okay I guess you're you might have been too young to even like notice or maybe not but do you think that starting with that quote-unquote disadvantage of learning a new language and then being in a new place it kind of fuels some of the success that you have now in your career Hmm. well learning English was easy it only took three months and I think it's just because kids pick up languages so quickly you're surrounded yeah. by it, and it comes very naturally. You know, kids watch TV all day, and they're playing with friends who speak English. They're going to school. So being surrounded by the language at a young age, was it made it really easy to pick up. And I think that being bilingual is a strength. It's definitely a strength. Um, I'm not going to say that there are many auditions out there for people who speak Portuguese, because <laughs> I've only come mm-hmm. around maybe two. Um but the fact that I look Latina has definitely helped me get, you know, into the audition room or help my picture go out to different casting directors. And one of those casting directors who actually cast you, I'm guessing, is uh, Houston from Orange is the New Black because you booked that, didn't you? I did. 
Yeah, tell us about that moment and um, how that, that moment when you booked it and then when you found out that you'd be recurring on Orange is New Black on Netflix. Oh, it's a great show. I love that show. Uh, the people in that show are great. Entire cast and crew. I'm not. If you ever have the chance to work on that show, that's a show that I would send you to because that's a show that I would recommend because everybody there just feels like family the day you walk on set. Orange didn't come as a recurring role to me. Orange came as a one-liner in an episode. And then, then it evolved from there? And it evolved from there to, you know, they called me again, they called me back to, you know, say another one-liner, and then they called me back to say a bigger sentence, and they called me back to say a paragraph, and they just keep calling me in every once in a while. But I remember where I was when I got the phone call. I was on my way to get a haircut. I was sitting in the car with uh, with my boyfriend at the time. I get the call from my agent, from my manager, Kathy, and she says, you booked Orange. And I started screaming. I think I might have made her death that day. And she, you might have done what? I might have made her death that day. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, wow. I was screaming over the phone. And actually, one of the people I called was sober. I called sober to tell him. I did. I was wow, so wow. happy. I called Wes sober, and I said, sober, it's Liddy. I just booked Orange is the New Black. And poor sober's probably like, oh, I hate when students call me. But he, mm-hmm. he was actually really proud. And um, it was very exciting. I just remember jumping up and down. And I went into the place to go get my hair cut. And my boyfriend was like, oh, she's going to be an actress on Orange is the New Black. So the ladies there wanted my autograph, and it was it was very surreal. It was a it was a cute moment for me. That's great. That's that's amazing. And um, the actual, are you on in the fifth fifth season that's coming up? I am. Or? I'm in episode two, and in the last episode, the season that's coming up is very amazing. If you're not caught up on Orange, you definitely want to get caught up because it it is going to be a strange season. It's funny and it's exciting and you're definitely going to be sitting at the edge of your seat especially towards the end so if you're not caught up you better get caught up i gotta get on that i think i'm on <laughs> season three or four or something like oh, that. oh aaron yeah I'm, I'm running around i'm doing so many right, different things you watch orange and i'll watch forrest gump all right that sounds like a deal there you go. but see i feel like forrest you, you kind of no no okay that's that's fair that's fair <laughs> that's fair that's fair so with creative people, sometimes I think, and my, I, I can be included in this as well, sometimes as creatives we can get lost in dreaming and have all the talent in the world and not take action on those dreams. So for you, what helped you beat procrastination or not taking action in your career, life, or goals? Aaron, I'm, I have to be honest with you. I am a huge procrastinator. So I haven't figured that part out yet. But every once in a while, I get really motivated, and I will write, or I'll I have I have my days when I'm doing better than others in terms of procrastination. Because you also have you know the day jobs that you have to get through, and life that's going on around you. So sometimes seeking a big dream, whatever that is, if if it's in if it's in this business or not, sometimes when you're seeking your dreams, you get overwhelmed by life. But I think the best thing to say to people who who get lost in their dreams is take the first step, whatever that first step is. For actors, I, I personally believe that first step is getting a headshot. Um, 
because you need a headshot for everything you do. And then once you have, and people think that, you know, that first headshot needs to be super professional. But if you're going to just, you know, some community theater casting or even even management companies and agencies, they have open casting calls if you look them up online. And they'll have these open calls that you can go to. And they don't want this huge professional photo of you yet. They kind of want to see your talent. But it helps to have that headshot. And you need that headshot. That's what you, that's what gets people to see your face. So for acting, I would say that that's the first step. And that's what helps people get action and take action. Um, I'm not the kind of person to set goals. I don't really encourage setting timeline goals. I, I do have goals that I set, but I don't set timeline goals. Um, I know a lot of people who have had success with this who set, you know, like in six months, this is where I want to be. And they work to be there in six months. But I also, for me, it feels like if I don't accomplish those goals in that set amount of time, I get very discouraged. And in order not to discourage myself, I don't set timeline goals. I set goals and I kind of just hand it to God after that. And I say, I'm going to work towards this goal. And however long it takes to complete this goal, that's how long it's going to take. And it helps me not get discouraged, which I think happens to a lot of big dreamers. You, you're you on your path, you're on a road, and then there's a big brick wall in your way, and you, there's no way around it, and there's and it's too high to climb, and it's too hard to dig underneath it. So you get discouraged because you see the time ticking away. And that's that's what happened to me with, with the age and the goals thing. And I, had to, I just had to let that go. Yeah. And you, well, you have, you have your book that you're writing right now and that's pretty big. I think you work on your second one, right? Yeah. Second or third. Yes. Tell um, us the concept of that book and where the inspiration for that came from. So I don't know if I should tell you where the inspiration came from because then people are going to think that I'm just plagiarizing off of everything I've ever watched. <laughs> All right. I, but I will be completely honest. You stole Twilight, didn't you? You stole Twilight. I did not. I started writing my book when I was in the seventh grade, and I'm pretty sure Twilight wasn't a thing back in like 2000. And what year was that? 2006. I have um, no idea. I haven't seen any of the movies. So I, I started writing it when I was about 13 years old, and I started writing it because my sister was watching the soap opera Poor Charles that came that used to come on SoapNet and on ABC. And Poor Charles went through this phase where vampires came in, and I was like, ooh, that's really interesting. And then Slayers came in, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I just kind of said to my sister, wouldn't it be cool if, like, there was this girl who was the daughter of, like, Dracula, but she was also the daughter of a really powerful Slayer, and she was battling with to be a vampire or to be a vampire Slayer? And that's how, that's how Vampire Slayer came to be about. And my favorite movie of, at the time was The Fifth Element, which is it still is, with Bruce Willis. And I just said, what if they had, you know, the elements to control? And obviously vampires are going to control fire because that would be cool. And the Slayers will have all the other elements to control. And that's they how... Have, wait, 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 wait. So the Slayers have three elements and Dracula has one? Yes, and the vampires only Dang. have one. But you know what? Fire, fire is a powerful thing. It is, but and water... I feel like water combined with earth... But I don't know. Well, I gotta, I gotta read your book to find out like... Only, you only have one element, each Slayer. 
Oh, okay, I see what you so mean. So the fun thing so have... about my main character, Olivia, is that she's a vampire, you know, she's Dracula's daughter, and she's the most powerful Slayer's daughter. So she has all of the elements. So she has to learn to harness them and to use them because, I mean, I, I thought that concept was pretty interesting, you know, having someone make a fire while harnessing water. How do you not put the fire out? It's true. It's very true. Where can people read this book? The book is, you can you can find it on Amazon. You can search up uh, Vampire Slayer by L.S.C. Fernandez, F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-S, and you can buy it off of Amazon. There's the ebook version of it, or you can go to Trafford, um, Trafford.com, which is the publishing company that I use. I self-published because I didn't want to surrender any of the ideas that I had in the book. I'm one of those people. Um I didn't want to like take the ideas away. I was scared that people were gonna that a publishing company would make me change the book mm-hmm. too much. So I I started off with self publishing, and if it picks up fire from there, then I'll talk. Okay, it's it has it been doing all right so far? I like to your liking. You know what my my thing with the book is I wanted to get it out there to have people read it, and some people have read it, and I think that that's. That's enough for me. I don't need it to be. It would it would it be cool if it became you know a giant motion picture or the next Harry Potter? That would be awesome. Of course it would be. But if it doesn't happen, it, it that's okay. My sister's a big fan of my book. I've actually dedicated the first book to her, and I'm just proud of the fact that you know she is interested in the story and she gets she gets excited when I tell her the next part. And I actually have another fan who just loved the book. And every time I see him, he's like, are you done with book two yet? When can I read it? Are you going to let me read it before you publish it? What's going to happen? I need to know who was that person at the end. So it gets me really excited when some, when, you know, I, I, I meet a fan of the book. I think I just need to do a little more um, propaganda for it. And I, I think people would enjoy it. It's a fun story. Okay. Any, anything else you want to share about this, uh, the story or something about this is kind of like off script, but uh, your hometown, if there's by some miraculous reason that somebody there was listening, a little girl, and she had dreams of coming to the United States and pursuing acting or even acting in Brazil, uh, what would you say to that little girl? I would say, first of all, get out of Brazil. <laughs> get out of Brazil. Oh, wow. Uh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brazil's a great place to visit. I just don't think it's a good place to live at. Uh, said, get out. Get out. Get, get out. out. Get out. Come to Bridgeport, yeah. Connecticut. It's better yeah, here. Uh, even, okay. even with our bad reputation. Um, I think to people listening is just, if you do have a dream, follow your heart, I think. And, and not in the cliche sense of, you know, follow your heart, because some things that your heart tell you to do are very foolish. So you also have to be wise about what you're planning for your life. But if you have a dream and... If you're passionate about something, it doesn't necessarily have to be a dream. I think that I think that the word dream makes people think, oh, it's one of those unaccomplishable things, and I'm always going to be a starving artist kind of thing. I'm going to have to live in my parents' basement until I'm 40. But if we use the idea of I have this passion, I'm passionate about whatever, I'm passionate about dogs, and you want to become a veterinarian, if you if you let that passion fuel you, and you talk about that passion to other people, it, it'll start catching on. And 
for me, my parents weren't really on board with acting for a long time. They kind of just thought it was a phase, I think. they And they never said that. Don't get me wrong. My parents never came up to me. It's like, oh, you're going to outgrow this, you foolish girl. You just want to live at home forever. Um, they were never like that. But they def- I didn't have verbal support. But now that, obviously, I've gotten to a point where I'm a little better in my career, they're so proud of me. And that's all they tell people about. They tell everybody that they meet, oh, my daughter, she's an actress. I have a daughter who's an actress. And they talk about it. And people will get on board. You just have to, you have to be on board yourself first. Got to believe in yourself yep. before anybody else does. That's right. You, you have to be driving that bus. Because if you're not driving the bus, then you're just sitting in it, waiting for it to take off. And it's not going to go anywhere if you're not, if you're not in the driver's seat pushing it forward. Dope. So how can people contact you? You got any social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, what you got? I do. I have all of those things except for Twitter because 150 characters is not enough for me. Okay. Um, And I would would, would have seven different posts to say one thing. I have Instagram. I have Snapchat. I have a website. My website is um, LigianiFernandez.com. That's my acting website. And I'm in the process of making a an author website where I'm going to be starting a blog. Um, and that came about very strangely. I just told a story to a group of friends that I have over text. And she was like, you should start a blog. It's, you're really funny. I would read it. And I'm like, really? That's just something that happened in my day. And she's like, yeah, well, it's really funny. And so I'm going to be starting a blog on, on my author website, which is going to be coming soon. And that's going to be lscfernandez.com. Um, and then you asked if I had Instagram or Snapchat, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. I do. I have Instagram. That's Liddy underscore 92, I think. I think that's what it is. You've got to check on that. I, I'm pretty sure that's Hold what on. it is. I'll check on it. And to be completely okay. honest with you, my Snapchat, it, I spelled my last name wrong. And for my Snapchat, oh, this is embarrassing. It's Liddy Fernandez, and it's L-I-D-I, and then my last name, F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-S, which is super embarrassing because it's supposed to be two N's and not an M. I didn't even know it was like that until a friend pointed it out to me, and if I'm being honest, a friend was 11 years old when he pointed out to me that I spelled my name wrong. So, wow. He's my best wow. friend's little brother, and that was an embarrassing day for me. Wow. Well, I wish you all the best and success with the book and your career, Miss Fernandez. <laughs> and uh, well, we got to catch up pretty soon. Thank um, you, if, Aaron. If I'm in Bridgeport. Yeah, for sure. All right, Aaron. Ciao. That's it for this episode of The Creation Ground. I'm your host, Aaron Lloyd. Be sure to check out our Instagram for future and previous guest info and check out our YouTube channel in the show notes below. Email us with any suggestions at thecreationgrounds at gmail.com. And if you got something out of this, I'd really appreciate if you spread the word and the love. Until next time, this is Aaron Lloyd telling you that the sky is the limit. Stay creative.